0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my passion, my obsession in life to teach you how to be a more productive version of yourself and one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to sign up for the free seven-day productivity challenge. Just give me two minutes a day for a week, and I will teach you simple, easily implementable strategies on how you can kick up your productivity a notch or two or three. Get on a seven-day productivity challenge today by going to my website, MrProductivity.com. Mr is all spelled out, M-I-S-T-E-R, Productivity.com. Today on the show, Mike Watts, he is an experienced entrepreneur who has six startup companies under his belt, and he has struck a deal with one of the sharks from Shark Tank by the name of Damon John. I'm a personal huge fan of Shark Tank and Damon John. So this episode is chock full of information that you can use today. So let's get right to it. Mike, welcome to the show. Mark, thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor. It's an honor to have you here, sir. And I am so thankful that you took time out of your day to be on the show. And before we get started, because your, your specialty is entrepreneurship, you've got a little experience, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes. Give us a 30-second, 20-second bullet about who is Mike Watts.
1: Well, I'm a, definitely an entrepreneur at heart. I've always felt like I've been that way. I have three consecutive multimillion-dollar startups uh, generally centered around products that uh, we partner with inventors who have great ideas and will help them uh, by licensing the invention, taking it to market, and try to make it uh, where it's on the shelf at major retail and hopefully become a household
0: name. Excellent. And I, I know that um, not that I found this on the internet. You told me in your bio that you actually struck a deal with Damon John. Now, uh, anybody who listens to the Mark Stachurski podcast is an entrepreneur, most likely, and they are probably a big fan of Shark Tank because Damon John is one of the investors on Shark Tank. So, tell us a little bit about this whole deal with Damon John. Well, Damon is
1: was my dream shark, and really, I, I, I'm a I am a big goals guy, and I you know when Shark Tank came out, uh, much like probably a lot of your audience and you that we're all big fans. And I had this dream that I was going to be on the show. We auditioned twice for the show and both times made it to the second round of auditions. And then at some point didn't make the cut. And, and I was really distraught and was trying to figure out why I wasn't able to achieve this goal. Cause I've been pretty good at just being persistent, and making it happen. And, and then lo and behold, I look on my website and there's an order on my website from the shark group and, Turns out that that's a Damon Johns company and he's ordering my product because he had gotten one. I don't know if it was sampling or at a trade show, but he got one uh, to love handle. It's a low profile smartphone grip and he had it on his phone, loved it and was, had become a customer. And so I started sending samples to his office and, and next thing you know, everybody in the office is in love with it. And then the phone rings and it's Damon and his team saying, look, we love your hustle. We love your product. Let's see if we can work something out, and uh, that's how the deal happened. It took a little while to hammer out all the details, but I made a deal with a shark uh, without ever actually going on the tank.
0: Let me give you a pop quiz: Who do you think is my favorite shark? I'm hoping that we have
1: the same one. Nope. No. Nope. Uh, Mark Mark Cuban. Now. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. I I just love Mark. Um, the I think the reason why I like him, he's a no BS kind of guy. I mean, when someone pitches something and he goes, here's my offer, take it or leave it right now. And it's like, there's no, you can't talk to other sharks, but <laughs> I kind of like that about him, but I saw a snippet from him. I think it may be part of the, the intro or a promotion of Shark Tank where he's in front of a classroom. And he goes, who's next? And I think yep. a lot of people have this issue where they look at the Mark Cubans or the Damon Johns or, you know, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary, whatever. And they go, oh man, you know, I wish I could be like them. Well, you can. They started with nothing, okay? They're not trust fund babies. They started with nothing. They started with an Mm -hmm. idea and they grew that into something. So when people, I don't care if you're 20 years old, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, if you're still sucking breath, you need to keep on dreaming. And I, I, I really feel sad for the people who just have that, your mentality, I'm going back to my Winnie the Pooh days where, you know, <laughs> well, this is the best it's gonna get. I'm like, no, you're why are you settling? So let's yep. talk a little bit about that for people who are listening to the show to say, you know, I hear what you guys are saying, but you know, I got a good paying job. It's got benefits, but I hate my boss, I hate the wallpaper, I hate the commute. Talk to them about how they can get out of that and go do something that really lights them up.
1: Yeah, you know, it's I love that you brought up Mark because he's a great guy and I had dinner with him and
0: he's uh now I'm jealous.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't even know he was coming. He just showed I was at dinner with Damon in, in Vegas and he shows up and have dinner with him, and then we end up going out to Jamie Foxx's mansion and it was just the wildest night ever. But uh the fact is you get around these guys and you realize that, you know, because we all kind of have this idealized uh, you know picture painted by television kind of image of these guys. But the fact is they're guys just just like me and you, Mark, and just like your audience listening here. And they're not perfect and they make mistakes and they've made lots of mistakes. But the difference is that they they kept pushing and then they never gave up uh, in, in the pursuit of achieving uh, their definition of greatness. And that's really what I'm all about too. Like don't compromise because the world tells you, that this is the way it ought to be, that you've got a punch of clock at eight and, and you check out at five and you go watch Netflix till you go to sleep. Like that's not, if that's your life, then, and then you're fine with it. Fine. But if you want more, uh, then go make it happen. And that's, I was just having a conversation with someone, uh, before I came in the studio about uh, a product called plane wipes, uh, just like a little. A uh, little wipes like antibacterial wipes that somebody's marketing for airplanes with the, you know, the coronavirus and everything going around. Oh, they're going gangbusters, but there's nothing proprietary there. And there's probably a hundred people that thought of that idea, but one guy did something about it. Mm-hmm. He went and packaged it up. He put a name on it and he marketed it for that purpose. And now he's got a multi-million dollar company. And that's how easily it happens. But you have to do something about it, complaining, sitting around. And like you said, the Eeyore, I'm going to a party. That's not going to get you anywhere. You have to do something about it, pick a goal, achieve it, be willing to fail, be willing to fail in spectacular ways, (laughs) right? But learn and then it's a process. You just keep going. And if you never, ever give up, you are guaranteed success.
0: I think it was Jim Rohn who originally said, uh, poor people have big TVs, wealthy people have large libraries. And I did not realize that people like Mark Cuban and Damon John and Kevin O'Leary and all these, you know, Brendan Burchard and you know all these high performers out there, how much they read. And I, I when I learned that, I'm like, isn't it interesting? They are six, seven, eight figure earners. They make time to read. People who are making thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, they don't have time to read. And I'm like, I find that very fascinating that People don't want to go read a book. People, I read a stat someplace that people who make under $50,000 a year, don't even read a book a year. Don't even, they only? I think it's like they read half a book a year, where high performers read a lot of books. And I think there's a big correlation because high performers tend to be students first, they they don't think they have all the answers. They're constantly learning. I, I read something recently with Mark Cuban saying, you know, with artificial intelligence and machine learning, he said he's reading books on that. He said, I don't always understand what I'm reading, but you've got to know what's coming. And you just can't get that on Twitter. You have to actually go read a book and you can learn a lot from a book. And, and so I make it a point to read a minimum of 60 minutes a day. I have 24 hours a day and I do mm-hmm. make a time to read 60 minutes a day. I think reading is really important if you want to go to the next level. I 100% agree. I consume an enormous
1: amount of books. I've, I've chosen to mostly consume them with audio books because I found it to be very efficient and I can kind of hack uh, during my workouts in the morning. I'll go ahead and put on my audiobook or a podcast, something where I'm learning and, and growing my mind at the same time I'm helping to get my body in shape as well. And that's the way I approach it. And I, I feel like I get at least 60 minutes a day in that way. Uh, in fact, I know I do because my Apple Watch tells me I do now <laughs> uh, that you've got your reading goal. But ultimately, yes, I mean, it, it's, it becomes a, a habit like any good thing in life. I think habits uh, is a great topic because you know we can program ourselves because as humans, we're naturally habitual. If you can just make yourself get into the right types of activities consistently over 60 to 90 days, then you can set yourself up for success and it'll actually be harder to not read or harder to not exercise or to not eat right or to not get out there and do something about your business. If you become habitual about taking steps in the right direction.
0: I love how you say setting yourself up for success. When people ask me, how do you have time to read? I'm like, I actually goes on my schedule. So Mm -hmm. I learned from Brendan Burchard, one of my favorites, uh, favorite uh, trainers, he says, you actually have to put on your calendar an event called personal development. Now that maybe you're reading, maybe you're I want to go like deep. I'm trying to go deep on Pinterest right now. So maybe it goes, I go watch some YouTube videos on how to get better at Pinterest or TikTok or LinkedIn. You need to spend time every single day on personal development because nobody's got it all figured out. And I think if you are struggling with something, you want to build a YouTube presence. Well, go learn how to use YouTube. Just don't like wing it. There are people out there, both paid and free uh, training out there, that you can go watch and it's going to shorten your learning curve and get you to the place you want to be much faster than if you go, well what if no one watches my YouTube videos or what if no one listens to my podcast? I mean, I got news for you. This is not the Joe Rogan podcast. I don't get a billion downloads a second, okay? (laughs) But I do get downloads and I know I'm serving my audience, but I don't get upset going, you know what? I'm going to quit because I'm not Joe Rogan or I'm not you know Tony Robbins or I'm not Oprah Winfrey. No, I'm not. I'm Mark Stuchowski. You're Mike Watts and we have to be ourselves. That's exactly right. And personal development is one of those things that
1: no one else can do for you. Yes. You can only do it for yourself. And I think that if we can all focus on making sure that we're doing the activities that will lead to the result or that we believe will lead to the result that we want, and rather than trying to focus on the result and 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 therefore, you know, the comparison is the thief of joy, right? Like looking at Tony Robbins, like or me looking at even Damon or Mark saying, Well, I'm not to that level and I'm not going to get to that level or whatever. No, I'm going to take the actions every day that I can to to make myself better. I want to be a bet. All I need to do is be a better person by the end of the day today in some way. More knowledge, more strength, more uh, experience. Hey, I made another mistake. Awesome. Now I know something. <laughs> right. Uh, it's one of those things like you have to be constantly pushing yourself forward. And then eventually, if you do that over time, uh, the results will most certainly come.
0: Grant Cardone has written several great books. I don't know if I read this, actually listened to it in the 10X rule or be obsessed to be average, but he says, if you have a goal and someone else has already achieved it, then it can be done. So if you want to make a thousand dollars a year, someone's already done it. If You want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, someone has already done it. If You want to make a hundred million dollars a year, someone else has already done it. And we're not reinventing the wheel. So we have to get out of our own way. I think, Mike, a lot of times we get in our own way. Well, I could never do it. Well, who says? You get yourself out of your way and then focus on what needs to get done. Don't worry about if someone else tried it and failed. The high performers I've studied, when they fail, they learn, they pick themselves up, and they go forward. The people who are the eors of the world, if you will, they're like, well, I guess I suck, and They quit. Well, that's the dividing line. It's not a, a dollar amount dividing line. It's your attitude. It's your mindset. Do you think you can do it? Like the little engine that could, I think we all read that when we were kids, the little engine that could, do you have that kind of attitude or are you like, well, what if I fail? What if I don't get any likes? Listen, every post you put out on social media is not going to be viral unless you're Kim Kardashian. Okay. Just get over (laughs) it and just do the best work. I post things. Sometimes they take off. Sometimes they don't. When I get a message from LinkedIn saying, Hey, your post is trending. I'm like, Oh, cool. I'm trending today, but it doesn't happen every day. And you just got to keep Putting the work out there and keep trying different things, and some things will work and some things won't.
1: Yep, and you got to be bold and and consistent, and and the main thing, and I think it relates back is that we don't care what other people think. We're not defining ourselves by what someone else has done or what they think about what we're doing. And the 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 more true we can be to that, uh, then the more confident you're going to be to put that post out there about something that instead of worrying that oh nobody's going to want to see this, or this might be embarrassing. No, put it out there, be yourself, be authentically true to yourself. And, you know, good things are going to happen. I think it's just about guaranteed.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about entrepreneurship. Give us a couple, two, three mistakes that you see when people get into entrepreneurship uh, that they make. Well, I'll be honest with you. I'll tell my story. I've told us a little bit uh, on my show here and there. I was I got into being an entrepreneur when I got fired from my job in uh, a local hospital back in July 2005. And I didn't know what I was going to do in my life. So I said, I will be a, an entre, what's that word? Oh yeah, entrepreneur. could spell it. <laughs> and I became an entrepreneur and I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. I mean, now I'm getting much better than I was back in 2005, but share with us some mistakes that people make when they're making that jump from the corporate world into entrepreneurship. I oh, will definitely mark.
1: You know, one of the things is that a lot of people try to just do it all at once on their own, like purposely, you know, walk in and tell their boss, Hey, take this job and shove it. Uh, I have this idea and I'm just going to go make a go of it. You're now. not supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not the way I did it. Uh, I did live in corporate America. I had my own cubicle on the 33rd floor, of downtown Houston. And you know what? I, it was. It was very frustrating because it didn't matter how great a job I did. They were going to give me the same 3% raise every year. And it was a very, (laughs) it wasn't even glass ceiling. It was a concrete ceiling. You could see (laughs) quite clearly. And, you know, I just, I started trying to find a way to make extra money on the side. Actually, I got a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad back in the year 2000 when my first son was born, who just turned 20 yesterday. So it's one of those sort of reflective moments that that book really kicked it off for me. And I started to really think about how I could try to find ways to make extra income on the side and then eventually become passive income and be an investor. And so I started doing home and garden shows on the side, just selling whatever I thought I could sell. I would buy something wholesale and turn around and try to sell it on the weekend. And I started spending every you know, vacation day, sick day, holiday. I was out working uh, in the evenings. I was had a little kiosk at the mall I would set up out there and I would start selling stuff out there. And I and I started learning how to then get into the wholesale business and take my products and then distribute them to other people, all while I had a full-time job. At one point, I had 25 full-time employees, 14 locations in Houston, and still had my regular 9-to-5 job, so that when I finally did decide that I'm going to leave because I, I found a product that was patentable, that I could move to the market and make it to a, something real that I could own – I already had income coming in on the side, so the transition was much smoother. I had three children at home. Yeah, I left behind health insurance and life insurance and a pension. They actually had those back then, and <laughs> I cashed all that stuff in. And then we put all our chips in the middle, and then took an idea and became eventually a multi-million dollar company that I sold for millions of dollars. But would have never—I don't think I would have been able to make the switch if I'd have just one day said, "Hey, I'm just going to be an entrepreneur today." Uh, I think it's a much wiser thing to do. To take affordable steps and to, you know, try to prove to yourself that you can do something on the side. Because if it's a nine to five job, you probably have some extra time that you're burning in some less productive way. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the big things people do is they try to move too quickly uh, rather than taking. You know, consistent, affordable steps in the right direction.
0: I'm reading a book right now by Angela Duckworth. It's called Grit, and she's got a chapter in there called Interest. And what I found very fascinating reading that chapter is a lot of people don't always know what they want to do when they grow up, and they have to experiment. I'm going to try this. Nope, that wasn't it. I'll try this. Yeah, I'll listen a little closer. And what they found out when they were interviewing these people for the for her book, they said they found the love of their life in terms of their occupation where they weren't even looking. They never anticipated they would be doing X. They just like, they stumbled into it and like, Oh, look at that. But the reason why they stumbled into it is they were experimenting. They had an open mind. They were willing to try different things. I think so many people think, well, uh, I can be a lawyer. I can be a doctor or a firefighter. Well, no, th- there's a lot of occupations. There's thousands of occupations in the world. And I think we have to try different things because you don't know. Let's say, well, I-, I like writing. Well, maybe you could be a copywriter. Maybe you can't be a copywriter. But until you actually start to write copy, you won't know. Would you agree?
1: I would totally agree. And then the more things you can try, the better, uh, because you'll either figure out you're not good at it or you love something about it. Uh, but nonetheless you're going to learn and and i think that most of the opportunities the really good opportunities going forward there's not a degree plan for that you know there's they're not teaching the the types of digital marketing that you really need that companies need to get ahead in today's instagram ad world you know it's just not there the, the the traditional school hasn't caught up but there's an immense amount of free resources out there for someone that's scrappy to get out there and go watch a YouTube video on how to create a, an ad. I mean, it's all there. And so it just takes, like you say, effort to, to go out there and be willing to try something and be willing to fail. And I've, I've said that several times, but really it comes down to an attitude that you're going to persevere. Yeah, you're going to, it's like walking through a dark room. Yeah, you're going to run into some walls and you're going to hit your shin on the couch, mm-hmm. right? But. Getting through there, once you finally make it through, is going to be worth the journey. It's going to be worth the bumps and bruises uh, because you're not going to be sitting where you were wondering what's possible. You will have found it. uh, And it's probably not going to be what you thought, but you will be glad that you made the journey.
0: Do you think people who, whether they're going into entrepreneurship or even working for the corporate world, you think patience really plays a big role in stunting someone's growth well yeah i mean if
1: you're if you're too patient if you just sit there and let the world go by and for sure
0: yeah and then there's the other one who the other side of the coin where people they hang out the shingles on the monday and they want to be a billionaire on a tuesday right
1: there's no there's no get rich quick it just doesn't exist legally anyways definitely. i mean there's Not ways legally. you can do it
0: illegally but there, we're talking legal ways on this show right yeah the, the get rich
1: slowly is a is a tried and true method. Every one of those sharks up there have put in their 10,000 hours, I guarantee you, mm-hmm. towards their towards their idea and putting in the work and grinding it out. And so it's that's just follow that formula, you know, one day at a time. That's how you build a mountain of rocks is one rock at a time and eat an elephant and all sorts of things. But it's so true. Like I feel like I just started yesterday. And now it's been you know, 20 years since I started as an entrepreneur, 15 years as a full-time entrepreneur. I look out the door, I've got 35 full-time employees. I'm an American manufacturer of a patented product. And none of that happened overnight. I'm in my sixth iteration of packaging. We just got into Walmart, you know, and each one of these little milestones took an enormous amount of mistakes and trial and error to get to the point where we're at, but we just persistence and a positive attitude and, uh, and looking at failure as a learning opportunity, then you're certain to find success if you don't give up.
0: I love the story of Damon, Damon John, when he started, he came from the projects. He came from a very bad uh, childhood, a very bad uh, part of New York. Uh, He's dyslexic, but he didn't let any of these things hold him back. He started making, I think he started with hats, right? He started with hats and he went to the rest of the clothing. That's right. He made it himself. And he used to go hang out in the street corners. And now he's a multi, -multi multi-millionaire. But he started with you mentioned boldness earlier in the show. He started with boldness. He started with a commitment. He started with confidence. He said, I can do this. He didn't sit there and go, well, you know, I'm a black man. I'm dyslexic. I live in this town, uh, you know, the area of town. I'll never succeed. He says, no, I'm going to beat the odds. And you have to believe in yourself first. I, I'm shocked at the number of people in our world who don't believe in themselves. Look, if you don't believe in yourself, how's anyone else going to believe in you? I mean, you all, yeah, here's a product It's you know, it's called love handle. Eh, it's pretty good. You wouldn't make any money. You have nope. to believe in the product yourself. So let's talk about that for a few minutes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a hundred percent right. And, you know, belief is where at the foundation of it all success, you, you will not find success unless you believe in yourself. And as parents, if there's parents out there listening, you know, we do, we spend a lot of effort in trying to teach our kids how to, you know do algebra or learn about history. But we need to be investing in telling them that they're amazing, that they're perfectly made, and that they can accomplish anything they set their mind to. And they need to hear that time and time again. I think that's one of the best things my parents did for me is, uh, you know, my mom, she thought I hung the moon and she you ask her today, she'd still say the same thing. But <laughs> <Good> somewhere <mom. laughs> deep down, that got in to my, you know, I believed that I could accomplish anything. I could stand up on a stage at, at, in, in ninth grade and give a speech and be confident and people would laugh at me and I would laugh right back. And that's, <laughs> that's just, uh, it's so critical for us to sort of plant those seeds in the youth that that anything's possible and that they are perfectly made. You know, you talk about Damon and his story. Uh, he went out, you know, he grew up in the projects and, and, you know, in a very low income area and most of the guys around him were either going to be dead or uh, you know, in jail by the time they're 21. And that pretty much happened to everyone around him. And he purposely decided that's not going to be me. And his mom supported him and believed him. And, and they went to great lengths. When he, I love the story, when he went to the show to to launch his clothing line, they didn't even have a trade show booth. They all yep. took, him and all his partners, they took buses and ended up in different cities and then had to hitchhike their way and got there. And they set up in a hotel room and they hung their clothes around the, around the living room in this hotel room and where they were all sleeping. And they went there and they invited people. They wore their clothes around the trade show, snuck in. People saw them and said, hey, that's that FUBU thing we've seen on some music videos. Yeah, we're over at the, the Mirage, you know, come on over in room 225. And the, that's where they did their meetings. And they wrote $800,000 worth of business mm-hmm. out of a hotel room. That's just being, you know, Bold, and that's believing in yourself and that you can make something happen when you're really not sure how it's going to go, but you show up and you do the grind and then amazing stuff happens.
0: Yeah, I really encourage anyone picking up uh, to pick up his books. His books are... Amazing. I, I remember one's called Rise and Grind. The other mm-hmm. one is uh something about Broke. I can't the title of uh, Broke. The power of Broke. I've read both those books twice. I'm gonna read them again. Very powerful book. His story is incredible. But you know, something you said uh reminded me that I wanted to tell everybody if you don't have a cheerleader in your life. Go get yourself a cheerleader. I got two cheerleaders in my life right now. One is my beloved wife, and the other is my eighty-two-year-old aunt who doesn't know anything about the internet or, you know, entrepreneurs. But she's a cheerleader. You need to have a couple people in your life. You you won't have a lot of people because some people are jealous that you're succeeding, but they're going to cheer you not only in the good times. But in the bad times and they're they're always there for you. So if you don't have a cheerleader listener, go get yourself a cheerleader. I mean, don't go to Walmart and buy one. You have to go find someone who's really <laughs> gonna be invested in you. So, Mike, um, I gotta ask you, Love Handle. Okay. Now, it cringes me when I see people with these one thousand dollar phones without any kind of protection on them. It really like why, why are you doing that? It's just, it, it makes me shake. Um, tell us a little bit about what Love Handle is and where did you come up with the name? Because when I first heard it, when we before I had our first conversation, I'm like Love Handle. You know what I'm thinking about, right? Those little those right. little sides <laughs> when you get a little middle aged. So talk yeah. us about about that, please. Yeah, so um, we've been at it for six years now,
1: and it's a what the Love Love Handle is. It's a very low profile. Phone grip that's a universal, it fits on any phone, case, tablet, and it just gives you uh, like one or two fingers an anchor point to position and hold the phone from any angle. You can flip it around the back of your hand and pick up a cup of coffee or open a door. And it, I always tell people, it's like wheels on a suitcase. You know, the first time you had wheels on a suitcase, you're like, oh, this is great, I'm never going back. And this is this product's kind of like that. Oh, okay. It's it slides (laughs) in and out of your pocket, so it's and it's wireless charging friendly, so it charges right through it Uh, and 100% American made. But what's cool about it and and, and where the, the name came from is that, you know, we live in a society that's completely unprecedented. There's never been a device or an item that has been so pervasive as the smartphone. And, you know, if you think about the proposition from the outside and Apple says, Hey, or Samsung says, Hey, here's this thin piece of glass and I want you to carry it around for the next, uh, ever. And I want. I heard yesterday that, uh, we're actually touch our phones, including tapping the screens and swipes and all that stuff over 2,600 times a day. (laughs) It's insane. And so if you can just change the ergonomics of that very simply, then that's an immediate impact on your life. And when I'm looking at products and when i coach inventors and entrepreneurs, I'm always talking to them about value. You have to be bringing value to people's lives and that's what you get paid for. And so- when we when we came up with the name, we're like, okay, well, we're we don't have a big budget for marketing. We need something that sticks, something that people will remember. And uh we had a list of names on the table. Actually, my daughter chose it at the time. She had no idea what the traditional definition of love handle is. Oh. She just knew that she <laughs> loved her phone. She's like, I love my phone. I watch movies, I watch videos on here, I connect with my friends, and I need a handle for it. So you got to call it love handle, Dad. And I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And how old was she? She was 12. Oh, at wow. The time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So a little early probably to have a phone, but she had one and uh I'm a sucker. And anyway, so she <laughs> I give her credit for naming the company or naming the product. And it's been great because now we get to live up to the brand and that we do a lot of give back. I mean, we've got I've got some amazing stories about how people with arthritis or carpal like it's literally cured carpal tunnel for people. I have doctors prescribing this phone grip, which I never imagined would happen. But what's even better is that we're sharing love with our community because I've created 35 full-time jobs here. There's 35 families that now have income because we chose to make this product in America. We chose to, uh, you know, find ways to make it work here. And, you know, with everything going on uh, with China right now, it's a, it's a great position to be in that I didn't really purposely go after. But I'm so proud of, of where we're at today. And uh, we have a Texas-based factory that uh, we do customize. So a lot of businesses will put their logos on there, um, which is an excellent promotional product because there's no more visible billboard than the back of a smartphone that walks (laughs) around every day. So uh, it's been an amazing journey and I'm really excited about, you know, what's next. I really don't know, but I'm, I can't wait to see it happen.
0: Yeah, I just had this thought because this is how my mind works. I'm like, you can walk up to people. Hey, you got love handles? Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> no, not those love handles. This love handle. So yeah. th- that's where I'm sorry, Mike. That's where my mind is when I apologize for that. So I'm assuming, uh, what's the website? Lovehandles.com? Yeah, lovehandle, no S, uh, oh, no
1: lovehandle.com. Uh, you can go design your own or upload your company logo or even request samples and things like that. But it's we're trying to make it a community where you know all the we're all out there and we want to really be focused on doing good. And so we try to highlight people that are doing good in the community and their, and their world. And so I, I think it's important that when you build a company, that your brand stands for, for something more. And it really you can't be focused on the money because your motivation will go away. One day it will just go away. But if you're really making an impact and leaving a legacy and you stand for something, uh, then, uh, then it's something you can be proud of. Then, you can get the motivation every single day to show up and give us your
0: best. Excellent. Well, anything, any final thoughts you want to leave with us before we wrap up the show today?
1: Um, just my encouragement to, to everyone out there listening is that uh, if, if you're not happy with where you're at, do something about it,
0: mm.
1: you know, and not just do something about it, do something about it today. Yes. And if it, just go find a podcast, download an audio book, um, you know, and, and just, Find one way to make yourself slightly better each day. Um, get yourself a morning routine, which has been huge for me. Read The Miracle Morning, which is a great book and really outlines how to start a great day. Um, and then just keep investing in yourself. Keep believing in yourself one day at a time, and you'll be amazed how the results will continue to accumulate. And you'll look back like I am now and wonder how you got here. And everyone's going to ask you how you got here. And you're going to tell them the same thing I'm saying right
0: now. I did a little bit each day in the right direction and look at the results. Hmm. Amazing. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show today. You dropped a lot of value for us. I really I was encouraged for it by it, and I know my listeners were as well. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Mark. It's been a real pleasure. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, MrProductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, MrProductivity.com. There, you can sign up for the free seven-day productivity challenge. Just give me two minutes a day for a week, and I will teach you simple strategies and how to be more productive. While you're also there, you can sign up for a test drive of my productivity coaching. Now, I realize you usually don't pay for a test drive, but I charge you just $25 for a full-on 30-minute coaching session with me. There's no sales pitch. It's just a full-on coaching session. The reason why I charge is it's been my experience. When people have some skin in the game, they show up and they implement what I teach them. So get your test drive for just $25 at MrProductivity.com. And finally at MrProductivity.com, saying it enough so it sticks in your brain, you can find out where I am at. I am on social media at the bottom of my homepage, all the links to where I am on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and LinkedIn and everywhere else is on my website. I really appreciate your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Do me a favor, if you haven't subscribed already, please do so. And then tell two or three of your friends who could value from this episode, because I'm really want to serve as many people as I can with my message. And that's all I got for this episode. Until we meet again, my friend, which will be sooner than you think. Go be productive.